This is episode 31 of the Vinyl Detroit podcast. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Vinyl Detroit Podcast. This is part two of my two-part discussion with Jennifer Barron of the Garment District. We discussed at length in part one, and again here in part two, her band's stellar 2023 release, Flowers Telegraph to All Parts of the World, on Happy Happy Birthday to Me. So rather than me doing any more introduction, let's get right into part two of my discussion with Jennifer Barron.
All right, we just heard the track A Street Called Finland. I have Jennifer Barron here from the Garment District. We're talking about uh, her album that came out this year on, in 2023 on Happy, Happy Birthday to Me, one of my favorite new labels. Not new, but new to me. Um, Flowers telegraphed to all parts of the world. So we've been talking about the, the origins of the band. We've talked about inspirations. We've talked about uh, bomb shelters. I mean, we've talked about a lot today. <laughs> um, but I want to talk, if we could, a little bit about... Um, the album, the sound, the, I, I, I wrote down some things, just some analogies. And the one that I kind of keep coming back to is it feels like a warm blanket to me. And I, and I don't know, I don't know how you take, you know, music or something, you know, oral and, and translate it to that. But, um, you know, there, there's certain parts of, of left on coast that just feel like this warm hug. So, um, a lot of that comes through in, in the recording process, as you know. Um, a lot of that is then refined, I guess you would say, in the mastering process. I'd like to maybe know a little bit, a little bit about how you got hooked up with um, the folks at Third Man. Uh, you mentioned that the record was pressed there. Uh, Warren DeFever of His Name Is Alive, he's a Detroit music icon, uh, mastered it. So mm. I, guess, I guess I'd like to kind of know how you got connected with, with that whole group. Absolutely. So he did not master it, but I'll. Oh, I'll, sorry. Yeah. No, no, that's okay. That's okay. He oversaw the pressing and cut the lacquers. Oh, so, but, close. But, yeah, but we will talk very, very close. But he had insight that was really important during the final mastering process. Mm. And, and also, I it kind of gave me chills that you just said warm hug and you said something else because yeah, I like know. A, like a warm blanket. Yeah. This is really uncanny, though, because. If you if you humor me to tell you this quick quick story, but the um, left on coast was played on this radio station in Belfast, oh. and um, I just again I found out about this. Me they tagged me on social media, and um, it's great alternative. They focus on alternative music, and the DJ was just he's so sweet and so wonderful to listen to. But in his commentary said a warm 60s hug, <laughs> <laughs> which is just so similar to what you just said. So that was just, I thought that was so sweet. Um, I mean, we don't, I don't know how technical we, how much people care about the technical. Well, um, you know what? It's my show and I care. No, I know. <laughs> yeah, right. We care. You and I well, care. I, yeah, you care too. You know, I'm just teasing. But we were talking about levels of loudness because yeah. I, you know, it, it, and this was going like beyond what my knowledge. So I learned a lot. It was just really preparing it properly, fully, like putting the finishing touches on the mastering for vinyl because my album is a little bit long. And in fact, I actually have some material saved for that. I'm going to put toward my next album. All right. Um, so I have, you know, and I have demos that I've started, of course, but I have um, some other, like it was just too, it you can make an album as long as you as you want, but the longer that you get, like they're obviously, and people disagree on this, like is the ideal length 15 minutes for per side, 18 minutes or whatever. So we talked about that. We talked about um, uh, what happens when you go beyond a certain amount of time, yeah. right? Per side. And I already knew that I was probably saving two songs um, for the next album anyway. So, so I was already at to that point, but he just gave some incredible feedback for me and then I could communicate to Dave and so that we could 
you know, make sure everything was mastered exactly where we wanted it to be so we could have the loudness, right? And um, have this, have just the quality and the depth because he he completely understood that there was depth to this and there were textures and there's a lot going on with the arrangements. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once you get to what, like 45 minutes for a total album, we, we just had to talk about those things. So we talked about them on the phone. <laughs> I thought, you know, even though he didn't master, it sounds like he was still very much involved in in that yes. production process and absolutely and to cut the lacquers i mean yeah that's important. that's huge yep um yeah and what i thought what the reason why i wanted to get into this is because i mean i i don't know how familiar you're probably familiar enough i mean you've mentioned the breeders and so i i, I know you're you're clued into 4ad and obviously warren's oh. work with his name is alive but absolutely. you i mean you want to talk about records with texture I mean, I know. he knows texture. It's incredible. I know. I, yeah, I know. Particularly those early albums, you know, the, 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 what was it? Homes in your head, Livonia, yes. those, there was so much texture there. Even, on, even on the, cause I think I have, see, he sent me some tapes back in the nineties of like, I want to say they were similar to the tapes he sent to 4AD. Wow. And so there's, I have them still here. You They're have crazy. them. Oh yeah, for sure. And he, he emailed, I mean, I know how, first of all, to have any kind of um, personal interaction yes. with with him, you know, running the mastering, the pressing and overseeing. There's so many productions yeah. at any one time. They're working on so many albums, whether it's recording, you know, Jack's projects, bands on their own label, bands coming in and playing. I mean, the production, like, the, I can't even imagine how long the queue was for things to be pressed after the after the oh, you know with the pandemic uh, yeah. uh, shutdowns and i just feel so lucky that i was able to because of mike's relate you know it, it's mike it's mike and his labels relationship the third man that made this happen yeah that makes so, sense. yeah so mike because mike does press press final at different places and yep. you know there are lots of great places and then the other amazing this is another really cool thread that i love all these things that have happened um and there's there's other stories too about instruments we borrowed and stuff but tom our friend tom who used to work at got a groove oh yeah sure um, wax, wax mage yeah yeah and so he um i don't know how long he i mean D, tom d Cristofaro, do you know him i don't so and he is also a dj and i've met him through friends in pittsburgh through events he's done and he worked at got a groove for a long time and he's now at third man mm. so he actually was one of like you know the quality control I, I don't know the exact position where they listen to the albums yeah, that, yeah, that, that's called my dream job by the way <laughs> i i used to i used to think that and it's funny because i heard something on my album that i think they didn't hear which is like something that happens with um it's like almost like this pre it's almost as if like I think no one could hear it with me except for me, but, but Warren knew that I did hear it. You know, it's not, yeah. it's something kind of this cool thing that's on the album, but it's, but then I thought, can you imagine if you had that job? Like yeah. it, it could be so stressful. Yeah. And also what does it do to your senses over yeah. time? And you're listening to, I mean, usually what it's like one out of every 25 or something. I mean, it's a that's really true. low number. So by the time you you're done, you're like, I, I just, you know, especially yeah. if it's something you just don't really like, <laughs> I guess that'd be a little challenging. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be really challenging. And, and we were in any way we, I, again, I felt to even have the phone conversation with him to even have him say, Oh, let's adjust DBs or whatever. Like 
the the luff l-u-f-s the luff you know um even just to to take the time out of that to be able to say we're going to get this to the opt you know it'll be optimal for vine mastering for vinyl and then dave was incredibly responsive so all i had to do was like get the notes from warren and then we adjusted um because you know you want to master for vinyl specifically for vinyl so um, yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and, and it, it was done so well. I mean, I think, you know, what's interesting for, for okay, we've geeked out, but I don't really care because I love it. But, you know, for, for those of you who've ever made, you know, a, a, a recording, I mean, it gets recorded and then it gets mastered. Um, typically, I don't know, I guess most of the time I would say it's usually sent out. But in your case, it was done in house and then it gets, you know, lacquered, plated, cut, all, all that stuff that happens. But I don't I'm not familiar with a lot of um, interaction between steps. And that's that exactly. sounds like that was fairly rare. Yeah, I, I've never heard of that before, where this the person is, cutting the lacquer is in communication with the person mastering. Yeah, it's actually um, so loudness units relative to full scale. I love to look that up. So it's yeah. like that's so um, I think it's rare. I've actually had a situation where something was like miss. Oh, you know, boy. mislabeled or miss. I mean, it was okay, yeah. but um, uh, and uh, I've we've attended master mastering. Yeah, of course, I've been there with Ladybug and stuff. But no, for the pressing, um, the, I felt like there was personal attention and personal care, and I'm so grateful, you know, because yeah, I also learned a lot from this experience, and I think they did an exceptional job. I just feel, I feel so lucky that it was able to be, that this could be pressed by third man. I think like every part of this matters, like you said, the artwork, um, the pressing, the color, you know, the vinyl, the the mastering, it it all, it's all part of it. Everything matters, everything's important, you know. And you know, fun tidbit for anybody listening, I think this is public knowledge. but yeah, there's another happy, happy birthday to me uh, artist that happens to work there. Yes, I have Kate, Kate. Yeah, Katie Lass, Katie, yeah. Katie, she, is, I love her album. It's yeah. so good. <laughs> I know. She, and I found out about her through Mike, through, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, I think that's that's why I would love to play a third man. Oh, hey, if I can I mean, make yeah, it happen, I will. Yeah, we, we've got to get that. <laughs> I would love, I mean, I just felt, you know, because I also have this, like, it's not, I'm not trying to sound like I romanticize Detroit or anything, but because, um, you know, we can fall into those traps. But, sure. like, I'm still in touch with Wendy and Carl, especially Wendy. I love her. Oh, she's great. And, you know, just those were some of, that's when I learned to play instruments and be in a band with Saturn and touring and playing with them, staying with them. And they were just the loveliest welcoming people yeah, it's like those formative years you know what i mean like yes. those those mental you mentioned you know growing up with jeff and music and that and then there was that era where you were playing that that was a formative time and I, my guess is that this is a new formative time you know what i mean that's a great way of putting it. i mean i mean i feel like and like going back to the third man like you're saying like having third man it's like a it's it's an it is an incredible validation too to have you know third man pressure yeah. album. I think so. I mean, I it does. I don't take that lightly. I know that I'm so fortunate to have them press have pressed this. But getting those test press and also like Mike was saying, there's something about a test pressing. Like, you know, you hear these stories where people say it's never going to sound this good, or it's like the test pressing sounds better, right? Than any copy, you know. <laughs> Is that true? 
Is that true? I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. um, it was an it was a magical yeah. time when it, when it arrived, especially with just everything that you know the process and context of of making this album, and it was really emotional and just you know incredible to have to have that arrive and hear it on the stu on the Morant's turntable for the first time. Yeah, maybe that's it too. Is the fact that you know there's 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 like a psychoacoustic effect. There so, is. Yeah, you're opening the box. You're seeing. I mean, you're. I can't. I I've never. I have not yet been involved in that process, but I can just imagine how it, it's. I mean, it's got to be the best feeling. <laughs> it it really really is because it's also like, I think you were describing this with the textures. Is that I try to, and when we we can talk about the recording, but I always want to and try to have like a physicality to the sound if that makes sense yes it does like have there be architecture of sound or space in inside the songs and that's what you really get from vinyl that's pressed really well and obviously the music has to be recorded like as warren would even say it's like you can't they can't make something out of not like right. like it, it, it's only as good as like it has to be produced engineered well too <laughs> and recorded sure. well no for you know? sure for sure <laughs> so um but it it was magical when it arrived that's great i love it i love that process i'm, I'm happy for you <laughs> um you know i was i was obviously doing research again and um there was a a, a quote in or a, a comment in one of the interviews you did that your lyrics were loosely inspired by W. Eugene Smith. And, um, you know, he, apparently, I, I really wasn't familiar. Uh, it sounds like photojournalist, I think mm -hmm. I read. Um, mm -hmm. Done some big installations. Sounds like New York, Pittsburgh, I'm not mm -hmm. sure where else. I was kind of curious, though, what what is it about him or his work or that, that that did provide some of that inspiration? And then I guess the, the, the part B to that question is, you know, you obviously are in Pittsburgh now, but what what is it about New York and Pittsburgh that have have provided that inspiration? So it's kind of two part. It's W. Eugene Smith uh -huh. and it's New York, Pittsburgh. I'm um, wonderful question. And thanks for researching and, and caring to ask about some of the content like below the surface. I really appreciate that. Um, I think I've always been interested in photography and um, Eugene Smith he did an incredible project in Pittsburgh that was ambitious. He did a lot of work for life magazine. Mm -hmm. He um, photographs. Yeah. I mean, I would, I highly recommend um, anyone interested in art and photography, photojournalism documentary. Um, he's one of the most incredible photographers who have, who's ever existed. And um, he, he was, he did a project that, um, like the pits it was his pittsburgh project he photographed you know everyday people um workers residents but also street signs storefronts neighborhoods i i, I love photographs of built environment and signs and you know you probably can tell because we did a whole book on <laughs> um pittsburgh signs project um but he i've i've always been interested in him just because you know spending you know growing up, I wasn't born here, but grew up mostly in Pittsburgh, left, came back. Um, and he worked in both cities, obviously, I've lived in both cities, but um, he, he had almost this, um, he, he was so ambitious, he was so um, 
driven, you know, by his his mission, his photojournalistic mission. So I've always been interested in his work and I've seen wonderful, I saw an incredible exhibition of his work in Pittsburgh at Carnegie Museum of Art. But um, something that actually made me return to his work is the Jazz Loft Project. Do you know about it? No, I it, don't, but it sounds interesting. Yeah, so there's a documentary that's incredible. It's called The Jazz Loft, according to W. Eugene Smith. Oh. And I knew all, I only knew of him as a photographer. You know, I, I, I did studied photography a little bit in college. I've always like dabbled in photography. I guess I've always kind of been a wannabe photographer. I love photography. I just do it though, kind of for myself, you know, sure. on my own. And, and I participated in some exhibitions with photography, more um, like experimental stuff. But um, so there is a documentary project that WNYC spearheaded. Um, it's a really ambitious, huge project. And there's um, an archive of audio works and also this documentary that um, I guess it came out in 2015 and it, 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 really um opened up i mean i had no idea that eugene smith also like lived in this loft the mm -hmm. jazz loft where musicians played in the 50s early it was 50s early 60s in new york um and he was recording so he started getting like obsessive not just about his photography but recording the musicians who came and went and he was like recording them 24 hours a day, not sleeping at all. His life story is just really interesting. I don't want to sit here and try to, I just highly recommend the documentary. So I guess, I guess on that note, so what about that? I mean, you mentioned it a little bit in there, but what about that provided mm -hmm. some inspiration? What's the connection? Um, I think for me, the story of his life and just his, his interest in documenting everything. Okay. I don't, it's hard for me to explain. Like I can't, I don't, I don't often have like this one-to-one, -one, like this song is about yeah. this, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it's just that I'm interested in like photographs of built environment, photo neighborhoods and people of a time are documenting, you know, these jazz, like this, this time period that like, how do you capture these musicians coming in and out of the space who are up all night and playing and just like improvising i think it's like this maybe this impetus this like obsessive attempt to like document something or maybe it's like a fear of mortality or i don't know yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it's just because he he started almost like um i'm just fascinated by his life sure. and the creative process um and also he photo in pittsburgh he photographed these street signs like that's why dream street dream street is the name of one of the books mm. um they're all these really great you know street i i don't you i don't know if you're like this but i love street names i i, I do check them out quite a bit and yeah and so um i have and the, and we did this with ladybug too but like i don't know i have a fascination with street names and place names and just how that resonates with people and so he he has a huge project where he just photographed names of streets. Wow. Yeah. And they're, they're really beautiful. Like photos. And he, he did these like high contrast. I mean, you, I don't have the exact technical description of everything, but he, unfortunately, I think he started getting poisoned by the chemical, you know, the developing yeah. developer chemicals. Um, 
And he also had a house with his family in upstate New York. And I just think that um, I love New York. I I will always feel like it's a home to me. It's changed. It's changed such a great deal, you know. So I love urban. I just like urban environments. Um, I don't. I'm not the type of person who feels like I just have one home or I'm from this place. You know, sure. I just I don't really maybe think like it's not like I've moved a lot. I I mean I've lived in several places, but um, I am I'm just fascinated by topography or architecture neighborhoods and I think those are some of the things that Eugene Smith was trying to you know document in his photography Hmm. and I also think it's interesting to think about the relationship between music and photography and and then how he got into like taking these audio tapes it's just fascinating to me yeah I mean that was a very fertile time in New York for jazz I mean that's when a lot of those classic albums I mean classic classic albums were recorded and in this was um so that was when he was doing this and when a lot of those players and a lot of like not as famous names were coming through this this jazz law I think it's a massive undertaking that they're trying to do with the archives and um and also I guess it, it it was uh interesting to me because it was like it was in the flower district and this the the loft that's the documentary um topic and I, the title of my album which you which you didn't ask about which is fine um i should have i should have tell me tell me no it's okay it's just um so i don't know if you know jack silbert who lives in hoboken um i don't he, he um he's a writer and he has his radio program i don't know if he's still doing it now but he has done radio programs and film writing and he i saw a photo that he posted of you know an old storefront again it's an old sign and it had this phrase on it and that inspired the name for the album and then that kind of related to when i was watching this documentary about the father district and the jazz loft. So it was all just kind of <laughs> mingling in my mind <laughs> this is crazy coincidence um and I just, I, I'm, you know, I'm really drawn to typography and different meanings that people can get from different like phrases or language and how it's used. But it's really my hope that I don't want to dictate what the story or the narrative or the background is for these songs. I want people to create their own meaning. Sure. Totally get sense. it. No, it totally, ma- it totally makes sense to me. I mean, that's, <laughs> You know, I, I and I never ask. Uh, I've done what twenty eight or whatever episode. It keeps changing every time, but um, I don't think I've ever asked a, like, "What's this about?" Mm, like, yes, you right. know, I, I that that I I get. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't want. Well, I guess I wouldn't enjoy someone asking me that about something that I wrote musically. Um, but I, I like to talk about the themes. I think that I themes appreciate are more that. Yeah. No, yeah. I love that because I like to merge and I like to take ideas or inspirations from different things. And, and it could be that like you become kind of like fascinated or obsessed with a topic in the middle of the night one time when you're working on a song, but then if someone asks you about it a year later, it means something different. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, or it means something different to you as a listener and what you're taking from it and what you're hearing is that's what I want. I want listeners to be able to, I want this to be able to, um, be music that allows a person to create their own experience and their own meaning because that's what i have done with other people's music since i was a kid sure. <laughs> no, sure. and it's like you know that's um 
what I think one of the gifts of music is. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, it's something that somebody else created wholly, but you know, it, it's yours. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It, it's yeah. like you created it, but, but it's mine. So yeah, I, I, <laughs> I totally get that. And I'm, and like for me too, a lot of it is, I'm so interested in like the instruments and the recordings and the melodies and texture. That's like where my biggest interest lies. Oh, sure. You know, like you were saying that in the intro. Yeah, no, for sure. So before we hear the next song, um, it, it is a cover. And I think I read, I read somewhere that it was, I think I, and I may have misquoted you, but it was something that you always wanted to cover. Um, what was, what was the thoughts behind covering follow me by the human expression? Yeah. So um, following me, yeah. Following um, me. See, that's what yeah. I always say. I always <laughs> get at least one gaffe on a no, song no. title. <laughs> no, no, following me. So um, I think that, okay, so first of all, I love this band, The Human Expression. They have yeah. like one album, um, Garage Band from LA. People, listeners might know Optical Sound, like their psychedelic kind of nugget style, you know, like they're, yeah. they're, they're classic. Um, and Love It Psychedelic Velocity was re it's been reissued a couple times. Their one album, um, 67, great year for music, best year for music. That was a great year. <laughs> that was a great year. Um, 67, 68. It's funny. That's like most of my favorite music. Um, <laughs> so I got the reissue that's somewhat more recent for, on Mississippi Records. Hmm. Um, of love at psychedelic velocity it's like the great cut cover with like the spiral like kind of black and white you know it's almost like um the hitchcock film the black the black spiral on the front great picture of them and they have like they have a lot of like upbeat you know just classic garage rock songs i love um jim Quarles' voice i love his singing love the guitar playing just love this band but they have such limited material because of things that happened with them when they broke up abruptly, but the reissue on Miss the Great Mississippi Records um, has a forty-five that came with it, Ooh. and mine. I mean, I I feel like I need to like find out if this is true for everyone else, but mine is mislabeled. Like, Ooh, the, uh -oh. the hold on to it. Yeah. So <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Um, so following me is like a b-side i'm technically unreleased you know it's on the reissue like about almost like a bonus track on the 45 really mellow i had heard the song before because my husband had a cd um there was another reissue that was done i think we just had like a cd copy of an earlier reissue mm. yeah so i've loved the song for years and um i love a lot of their songs and i was like kind of torn because i i was I either wanted to do a Golden Dawn song that's kind of similar to this one, so Golden um, Power the, Plant, Golden the Dawn, the Sarah Band, Golden Dawn. The, no, the band. Oh, there's no the band, sixties <laughs> band. Okay, that's oh right. my god. Okay. Wait, is oh there is. I, know, I know what you mean. Yeah, um, this is uh, an amazing the sixties band from Texas. Okay. Who are like they're like thirteenth uh, floor elevators, but oh yeah. They, get anywhere near it's, i mean they're incredible same label um all the same scene and same friends and everything so their the album is called power plant it's incredible hmm. um and they they there's a kind of a similar feel maybe i would i think i want to cover this other song in the future to these two songs so i was just kind of considering one or the other and i just also like the idea of like trading the male vocal for a lead female vocal yeah it's very cool and 
staying pretty i mean i also have like a kind of a difficult uh, complex relationship with covers it that'd be a cool thing to talk to have you you could have a series just on covers i could because i'm a, i'm a covers fan um, you okay? okay yeah generally speaking <laughs> Um, you know, but you have to, I think you have to go into covers with just the thought that there's very small chance this is going to be better than the original. Right. And, and I think if you approach it that way, you're, you're like, you know what, this is, this is good. This is good on its own. They, they, they made it their own, whatever. I, now in terms of following me, I have never heard the original. Um, I was, I was surprised when I found out it was a cover because I think it works very, very well. I, I'm going to go back and listen to the original now. Oh yeah. Wait, have you listened to it yet? No, no, no. Oh, I would love to hear. I love also the fact that, see, that's why, because I have a complex relationship with covers <laughs> and I'm only saying that because if I love a song so much, yeah. I'm just one of those people where I'll like, I'll never watch the new Wicker Man. I'll never watch right. the new Picnic and Hanging Rock. I just won't because like, those are two of my favorite films ever. And have influenced me so much. Like even my, my music, I just don't, I don't know. I'm like, if it's so good, why no? Just do something different. I don't know. Not not that, but I love. There's tons of covers I love, but I like what you just said. I really love when people don't know if it's a cover and they take it as your own original. Like yes. it fits. It fits in with your sound. It fits in with the rest of the album. And I guess I, for me, that means it's successful because that's the kind of cover I wanted wanted to do. Yeah. Um, so I'd love to hear your response after you hear it. I think it. It, in some ways it stays very respectful to the original which is minimal there's it's really minimal like garage like you know some of that 66 yep. garage stuff where it almost sounds like it's just all recorded live yes um min super minimal drums you can you can't even hear the bass that well but i love bass sounds i love Corey's bass playing on this song and i love the bass sounds we were able to get on this album that, and, that's, i think that's the warm hug to be honest um, there's that point in Left on Coast where, where I think it's where the organs start and the bass starts. I think that's that that's that moment I'm talking about. Mm, I think that's I it. That. Yeah, the kind of I mean, thing. I think because I play bass too, it's I'm really. I mean, I don't know. Everything to me is really important. Like one tambourine hit is just as important as everything else, yeah. you know, on the album. And I think for this one. Um, we kind of it's kind of stripped down it doesn't have any keyboards i wanted to have tons of feedback and stuff so we did we did that i played this is one of the ones i played guitar on and i also like really key to to this song and several other songs were some guitar pedals i borrowed from greg Kostelich from the cynics that's cool um yeah so 60s and 70s pedals pretty rare like fuzz pedals and he's not precious about his equipment at all, which is so refreshing. And, you know, he gets really great garage rock sounds and he's been doing this his whole life and just let, like gave me a box of pedals and then like, wow. let me borrow them for like a year. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Greg. <laughs> and he knew exactly, he knows his music. And I was like, this is what I'm going for. And I just, that's why I love sixties. I love really simple guitar solos that are like staying almost on one string and really cool melodies. I love vintage fuzz, um, fuzz face, you know, one, one knob, <laughs> you know? Um, so that kind of stuff is what, what I was doing with this song and then added the glockenspiel to, to make, to bring something different, you know, to put our own arrangement touch on it. Oh, for sure. For um, sure. And we're, and we're going to get into some of the instrument. I think we have a couple more questions after the song. And one of those does talk about 
instruments. And I really want to hear your take on it. So let's go ahead and listen to Following Me. It was a cover by The Human Expression done by the Oh, excuse me, done by the Garment District. Again, I have Jennifer Barron here with me. This has been a great chat so far. We're going to hear one more song. We're going to have a couple more questions, and then we're going to wrap up. So let's go ahead and listen to Following Me by the Garment District. So 
Um, so we just heard Following Me by the Garment District. And before that, we were talking a little bit about instrumentation. And, you know, I in, in, in obviously listening to the album and hearing a lot of the textures and things, I can tell that there's a lot of attention and detail that's put into the instrumentation. So I wanted to ask you, um, what what is it about about instrumentation in terms of, you know, this pedal versus that pedal or um, this type of guitar versus it. what is it about to, what is it for you? What makes it important for you on your records? I just because, you know, I know artists do care about the instruments they play, but I've noticed in, in the articles I've read with you that it's mentioned quite a bit. So I want, I want to get the connection. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I love talking about this topic. <laughs> um, I think I, I think on a, a lot of different levels, maybe it's because I write the music. Yeah. Um, and I also have a number of instrumentals on all of my recordings. I, I love instrumental music, like inter interstitials, library music, um, you know, TV theme songs, and a lot of the music that I listen to written and recorded and perf or performed live on analog instruments. So it's just mm -hmm. partially what I love and what I'm drawn to. Um, I like the quality of the sound, like there's space. And there's like time. It's like if you're playing, a, 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 you know, for example, my husband's like 60s Vox organ, right? Oh, yeah. There's a, a different kind of sound based on what kind of keys you're pressing and touching. It's like tactile. It's like it's like it's in the moment in time. And you're like you're kind of stopping that or freezing that in time do you see what i'm saying which is really different if you use digital which sure. is fine that's another tool yep. um and also i'm fascinated you know you play it live yes you can do overdubs you can keep doing it you can record over it a million times with pro tools etc but it's again it's like the physical body doing it right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like i don't want to say it's performance art but i like um I'm really drawn to that, that like the human body is interacting with this instrument. That's a physical thing. It's beautiful looking, it sounds cool, but it's temperamental. It takes energy. It's plugged in. It's, you know, it's, I don't know. I just like all of that. I just find it to be interesting. Um, like the physical material nature of it. And like what you were saying, so different songs to me, again, I listen to the music, like does this melody call for, another layer how can we get a different kind of synth sound layered on top of an organ or layered on top of an electric piano right you know to give it um dynamics sure definitely. dynamics are really really important to me mm -hmm. that's something in the songs um and even if it's textures and layers i'm always thinking about that and i think i'm able to more successfully achieve that with mainly with analog instruments mm -hmm. um, not to say we didn't use some digital sounds and sure. effects of course we did but um you know again if it's like something like left on coast for those guitar solos um human expression trying to think of some of the other ones um starfish song like for the guitar solos again i knew based on music like certain like fuzz guitar sounds that i love from the 60s for example I was interested in like, how could I seek out some of those pedals if I don't have them? Like, who could I borrow them from to help me achieve that kind of sound? I love that. Um, that's not maybe a di digital pedal or um, 
again, we we do use both or like with the bass sounds, like going direct and then running it through an amp after, you know what I mean? I was wondering Re- about that. Re-amping it. It's yeah. Funny you, it's funny you say that because I think it's on Starfish song where there's a, a little bit of a bass. I'm trying to remember, but I was trying to figure out whether it was direct in or not. And I couldn't tell. A lot of them. It's both. Okay. Yeah. 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 And that, um, are you talking about the introduction? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and also it's, it's like giving the chance. I mean, the bass is playing by itself for a little mm-hmm. bit. So yeah. So we did both for a lot and we also, I mean, um, let's see on some songs he used his Mustang bass and jazz bass and some he used my Fender precision bass. So we used different bass guitars. So you might be hearing that one has a really cool, what is it? The, the pedal um that he used so there were different guitars but i really wanted the bass to sound warm at times it needed to sound fuller than other times but the warmth is like like you were saying that word but that's like a word i feel like i'm like a broken record if i'm in the recording (laughs) studio right oh yeah Yeah. um that i'm always seeking and then a lot of these instruments um maybe have been with me through a long time of of my life so i know that it it um it might sound i don't i don't mean for it to sound like nostalgic but these are like kind of members of my household or they're like part of your collection and again not in a precious way but you know even my guitar amp which you know i got from a friend when i worked at the brooklyn museum when we were all like just starting bands and no one knew how what a how amazing a Fender Vibrolux amp was and what it really meant to have one at that time. Sure. But I'll tell you, I know now, and I think it's it's my favorite amp I've ever used or heard pretty much. I mean, I'd love, you know, like I want to get a Fender Princeton because I can lift it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah the one you've got is pretty heavy. Now I'm down with like, okay, I need to be able to carry this myself. But <laughs> I, I just, I feel like these objects have traveled with you over life and over time and they're part of the story. And there's just something, I don't know, there's just something about that, like you play something through them then it goes through something else and it comes out as part of the song. I think it's, I'm fascinated by that process. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, so I don't know, when we were talking earlier that we were talking about how we share an instrument. Yeah, I did tell you that. So. Yeah, I yeah. do. I do have a Rickenbacker 360 oh, also, awesome. and yes. I do. I can hear it in um, some of the tracks. I think yeah. you did. You played it on this record, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. all over this record. It's yeah. almost almost on every song. Yeah. It, it, it's funny because if you know that if you know that guitar, I mean, it, it sounds exactly like that on the recording. <laughs> it's such a great yeah. sound. Rick, people know like and also with Ladybug, like we always had like I got that sunburst one. My parents got us each a Rickenbacker for Christmas. How cool is that? A long, long time ago wow. from Pittsburgh Guitars. And Jeff got a black one and I got that one, the Sunburst one. Mm-hmm. And it's glow. Start, start this fire glow. <laughs> and so that was, and I just try to keep it in really good con- condition. Yeah. Yeah. And then Jeff got the 12 string, you know, the oh, black. Yeah. yeah. Love that. Yeah. So then for Ladybug, often we would have, that would be the setup for the guitars. Um, so yeah, so I still have my fire glow. He's the black. Um, so he got the 12 string. And for a lot of our shows, Dan has played my Rick for the show. 
too. Oh, nice. So I I still feel like they're pretty rare. Like there's definitely bands getting into them and getting back into them, but it's not, I mean, it's really not that often that you go to shows like in our time. You know what I mean? Like oh for sure it's it's still kind of um people do seem to love them once they find out about them. But yeah, it's all over the record. Um also um uh borrowed a friend's telly for one thing um strat for one or two th- like as overdubs sure. but it's, it's the rick is really all over this album yeah no i if you it, picked it out yeah you yeah. got it <laughs> i mean if you if you own one and you play it through i mean let's just say like a, a a decent amp um that's how it sounds on this recording there were, i mean there was a point where i think i was listening to the record before well, this, well the digital version but before we <laughs> went on and i think i was doing something on the computer and it just kind of popped up. I'm like, that sounds exactly as if my guitar were playing in this room right now. Exactly. That's, that's amazing that you, what kind of amp do you use? Uh, I have a 65 Fender 65 deluxe reverb reissue. I think I got it like in the late mid to late nineties. And um, I mean, it's, it's great. It's like, it's not real big, right. good enough for like a, a medium, small to medium size room, all tube, um, I love it. I just, I gotta, pull it. it's just so darn loud. I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm gonna be honest, like in my house, like my wife would be like, will you please turn that thing yeah, off? No, we, we, I don't know if you have, so we practice in the basement. It's oh, not yeah. finished, but it's perfect. But our house is on a corner. So we're really lucky. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and, um, the, as I said, the Viberlux is my favorite. It's mine's like a 78. I think it's right now it's getting a major, major overall Pittsburgh guitars and it's like investment I needed to do which I haven't done so long but I kept I keep coming back to the same things Mm -hmm. but um I just feel also really lucky because another interesting thing thread that happened was Dave who is the engineer on the album um his friend in West Virginia who's a musician he does like a lot of soundtrack style music too kind of has like a mini synth museum at his house okay he's <laughs> not cool. really yeah i mean this is i haven't been there but he lent us a bunch of synths that have a major major reason why some of these sounds you know the the sounds we were able i was able to get yeah. like the roland 505 the paraphonic um he, and he and we just had them in the studio for a long period of time so i could kind of come and go the studio is very close to my house i could just keep adding overdubs work on songs you know what i'm saying oh sure um work on some of the parts here at home then go into the studio and it was just so wonderful and generous of him and he he's not really using this equipment that much i don't i don't know if he's going to sell i don't know what 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 his situation with this but that and then the Farfisa Synth, synth Orchestra. Mm. There were just um, two different Rolands. And I just felt so lucky to be able to have that equipment there in the studio, um, which was a, a, connect, a connection through the engineer. That's cool. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, I mean, it does, those, those, those organs and those keys and all that, it does, I think that's the other, the other piece of the warmth that I find. Um, there's just the la- the way you layered them and everything. I mean, it's hard for me to really pick out the the individual ones, but the way it all comes together, it's it's really well done. So. Well, I think you can tell, like, if you hear an electric, I also use a Wurlitzer electric piano mm-hmm. um, on a lot of the stuff, and some of it might be layered. So, like, there's a staccato like chords where I'm just playing kind of background for texture, which mm-hmm. I really love, and I like that with I love one acoustic guitar. I think um. 
I wonder if it was Archie. I feel like I just heard someone in one of your po- podcasts saying this exact same thing about using an acoustic guitar as like um, percussive. Yeah. A percussive layer. Because I, someone said it and I was like, that's exactly what I like. And it can be hard to get a good acoustic guitar song. But like on um, Island of Stability and Starfish Song, what I like to think of is like each verse as a new opportunity. Like what, how will the arrangement be added to as you go move along the song, mm-hmm. you know, and this is just stuff. I learned this stuff from being ladybug. We all helped record. We all helped there were before automation. We were all helping with the mixing. And I learned from listening to the music, like that my parents raised me on just like thinking about arrangements building over time. It's like not just putting everything all the time, you know, yep. <laughs> And so acoustic guitar can be used that way, Wurlitzer electric piano. So you might not know exactly what you're hearing, but there's different layers going on. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I'm I'm not as I'm not as a like knowledgeable of keyboards and synths. That that just I don't know, I guess it's really never been something I've been exposed to, but I appreciate them, but I can't really pick them off as well as maybe some of the other instruments. The um yeah, I and and there's so many different kinds. Oh, I just yeah. feel I feel so lucky that I was able to um borrow some of them and and they're like 70s ones, so they're definitely like the analog. Love and then that. you were saying the bass. So the one thing is I don't know if you know Mutron, Mutron, those no. those pedals. So no. it was like an octave mute m u tron t r o n that he Corey used it but it was on a street called finland not on oh. um, starfish song but it gave that like that was one where i needed like a more full driving um baseline to like yeah. drive it along and the keyboards did that too we just layered like i played i would play the parts and then like play octaves or play harmonies and just double and triple some of the parts to give that thickness to it i love that um, yeah and then so he had that for that one and then also the drums on street called finland we had we have sean's drums but we also have drum machines sure that's really cool (laughs) no i i so you know as you can tell i mean if if you're listening to this you can tell that i mean a lot of care and thought and detail went into this record i mean you can just you can tell by listening to you i mean everything from fonts to you know photo locations to the meaning behind them and I don't know. I guess that that means something to me that you took all that time to put that out. So I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking yeah. time to listen. Oh, it's been great. Um, but I, I do have one more question for this. And then, you know, we're going to we're going to kind of wrap up by hearing another song. But, um, you know, as you look, for, you, you've done a couple albums, obviously, all the Ladybug days and all, you know, Saturnine days and all that stuff. I guess now that you've had the album come out what what how would you define success for the garment district i mean what does that look like this is a really difficult question (laughs) (laughs) i save it for the end (laughs) i know i mean there's a part of me that doesn't honestly know how to like answer this like there could be there's like this macro level or micro level like having this conversation and having someone be able to listen to my music and get have it be resonating with people in the way it is with you and having you ask all these questions and pick up on all these points. Like that's a huge, for me, success. That's a huge um, level of success. That's like on a more conceptual, personal level. Um, I would love to be performing again more regularly and doing some touring um, 
I also want to be able to continue making records, but I also want to do it. I don't want to like always have to feel like I'm exhausted or fighting capitalistic forces. Sure. <laughs> I'm like, um, it's, there are a lot of challenges. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's hard for me to even define success, but, you know, being able to release this album, like I'm, I'm trying to be grateful for the, the successes as they're coming right now Right. in that, like seeing, getting to the point of, you know, in 2023, being an independent musician, um, working with a lot of incredibly talented people who have other projects, you know, sure. that they're working on to be able to release this album on vinyl to me is a huge, for me, it's a personal success to be well, able to work with Mike, to be able, you know, to be able to even hear it on WFMU. <laughs> I don't take any of those things lightly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I, I, I was, when you were answering that question, I mean, it is a very difficult question because it's very, abstract but and it means something different to everybody but i think being able to and i, I was just kind of trying to distill this that answer down and it's like being able to create something and, and have people connect to it and however they connect you know whether they're it however they connect with it. it's the melody it's the lyrics it's the art it's the the feel i mean you know there's a bunch of things but i feel like that that's a big that's a big piece of success because I think that's happened on this album. I mean, I, I've been super happy for you. I mean, it looks like it's gotten a lot of great coverage. And um, I, I appreciate that. So, yeah, having it resonate is, and connect is, um, that's part of why people make music. That's, that's right. music, music connects all people. Yep. And um, it is, it's something very powerful because I think one reason why music fascinates me is that we can't see it sure or touch like it's it, it's in our emotions it's in our dna it's in our gut all this stuff it's like comes into it's also temper it's like a song starts but then it ends but it's still there but you can't see it's so that's just a fascinating it's different than film it's different than painting it's different than photography it's different than even watching people perform you know and performing it live yeah. is different than hearing it on the on the record and but if people can have an experience, like you said, putting on the headphones, um, taking yourself out of this moment to a different place or a different world and having it resonate with you is um, one of the reasons why I, I make music. Well, it has connected with me. And, you know, this this whole conversation has, frankly, I've 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 enjoyed this. I, I love when, when I'm able to talk to an artist just not just about the record, but, you know, like I mentioned early on, I mean, pulling the curtain back and just really understanding all the things that went into it, all the thoughts, all the decisions, all the emotions. And I don't know, I guess I connect with that. So Jennifer, this has been a great conversation. I've truly enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Brian. I, I feel like we could talk all night and I'm sorry if I went off on tangents and rambled. <laughs> No, no, no. Um, I, I asked you to. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just love these questions. And I, I really appreciate how much time you've taken with listening and with really thinking about these questions and the album. It means so much to me. Well, it's been my pleasure. Uh, so I guess kind of in, in closing here, we're going to hear one more song from the Garment District. Uh, this is from the 2023 album on Happy, Happy Birthday to Me, Flowers Telegraph to All Parts of the World. 
And this is the last track, I believe, on the album, The Instrument That Plays Itself. And again, Jennifer, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. You too.
you enjoyed part two of my two-part discussion with Jennifer Barron of the Garment District. We discussed at length her band's stellar 2023 release, Flowers Telegraph to All Parts of the World on Happy Happy Birthday to Me. I want to thank Jennifer for being very patient and waiting for me to get these episodes out. We actually recorded them in October 2023, but for various reasons it took a very long time to get them done. As always, you can find this episode as well as all my previous episodes on all major podcasting platforms. We're going to go ahead and close this episode out with another track from the album, and this track is called The Island of Stability. And again, thanks for listening to the Violet Detroit Podcast. <laughs>